0: Yo, 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 welcome to Crate 808 and today we have a very special guest on board, musician, journalist, writer, podcasting legend and... Author Sean Sataro is back in create Eight Towers. I don't know how many times we've had you on, Sean, but it feels like a, quite a few now, my man.
1: Yeah, thank you, Ken. This is—it's always, always, always a pleasure to be on the show. I'm—I'm uh, I'm thrilled to be back, and I'm very thrilled to be talking about the coup. So this is—this is, uh,
0: is going to be fun. It is. This is going to be double fun for me. The coup—we're talking. 1998 still this album, but we're also going to be talking about your new book, Dummy Boy Takeshi 69, and the nine Trey gangster bloods. Man, this is there's a lot to go in, but as usual, Sean, you know, <laughs> least hip-hop thing in the last 24 hours. What have you got, my man?
1: Wow. You know, <laughs> I knew this was coming, and I really maybe should have prepped harder. <laughs> I would say that uh probably the least hip-hop thing that I've done in the last 24 hours is watched a uh, what I'm told is one of the classic episodes of the original Star Trek
0: oh. as a kind
1: of like wind down you know late evening before bed thing the, yeah. the episode with the Romulans I, I forget the title of it I'm uh-huh. by no means an expert but People who are experts tell me that's one of their favorite episodes of the the original series. So, what, what
0: drove this you know, Star Trek love? Like, are you doing a marathon or are you just what, what no? We periodically been
1: watching episodes from the the original series just because it's a sort of hole in my education and it's a sort of relatively light thing to to kind of wind down on nothing too bad ever happens. Mm-hmm. That's not, uh, you know, resolved. Mm. Uh, and also we tried to watch a sitcom and, you know, the streaming service wouldn't let us. So we had to, we had to make another choice. Our, our go-to wife and I's kind of go-to, uh, you know, end of night sitcom recently has been the nanny. Oh. Um, so but we were, we were unable to watch that last night. <laughs> oh, so I had, had to go with,
0: I had to go with something else. Nightmare. I, this is what I love about you, man. Everything's that it. You just said there, uh, I had that something missing in my education. Some people watch TV just to switch off. This man here. No, 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 no. I want to make sure I've got the Star Trek. A little bit of the lexicon in my education. That's why I love you, man. This is why I love you. This is amazing. Uh, (laughs) But we are going to go into the coup, right? A band that needs to be talked about more probably, I would say. But if anything, this album you've brought to the table for me, mate, there's not many times I get to dance around the house, fist in the air, screaming, I want to piss on your grave. And... (laughs) If there's, if there's anything, one, one to come of the album of- highlights for sure. <laughs> one of the albums <laughs> highlights. If there's anything to come out of this album, if people haven't heard this album, one go out there check it. And Two, get in the comments, let us know what you think. To it if you have, but Sean, for you, why was this on the list for you to come talk about, and what is it about the coup that really attracts you to them?
1: One of there, there are a number of things that I really love about the coup and and about this record. But I would say that it can be difficult to rap about politics in a way that's engaging and in a way that doesn't sound like, oh, I'm here at a rally and here's a guy rapping about exactly what we're here protesting at the rally. Right. Mm. It can be very easy to get bogged down in, you know, specifics and kind of have it be the message is sort of more important than the music. And that's never the coos bag. I think boots would argue that he fell into that trap on his first album, Mm. uh, but then quickly jumped over it. I, you know, actually like that first album a lot, but, you know, I'll say that it's, it's music that engages with radical politics and is also fun, right? It, it uses rhyming and humor and storytelling uh, and emotion and all of the things that rap does so well done by, you know, an expert rhymer, but it's also funky and it's also in this very specifically Bay area mm. kind of funk rap tradition and it's fun to listen to. And the politics are good. You know, you really,
0: you can't, you can't beat that. Absolutely. That you, you touched on something there about kill my landlord. And I went back and Mm -hmm. listened to that. The fact that tracks on there, like funk, like that track funk Mm -hmm. is, is so good. And yet it, it doesn't marry the two things up as well as this just absolutely so i'm glad you said that because it feels like um you know when you listen to rage against the machine or you listen to folk music like phil oaks or someone like that the message is very much like at a level i mean tom morello would argue it isn't but it is right up there but i would say this album it's like um what did i think the other day it was like i was listening to uh un- i mean underdogs is an amazing track there's so many great mm-hmm. tracks on here but i think it was the one with dell the funky homo sapien mm-hmm. repo man. repo man
1: yeah the repo man sings for you i think that's yeah. it
0: and i was listening to that again and i was like you know the beauty of this album for me is it's kind of what you said The the message isn't like hitting me over the head but then i realized oh the message for them is just their everyday life Like their everyday life is what this socialist Marxist like kind of ethos is embedded in. So basically instead of, you know, him going on and talking about Lenin and, you know, Karl Marx, it's more about, no, my my shit is getting repossessed and we don't have any money and we're all underdogs and stuff like that. And I thought he marries that up like better than most albums. So yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's that. And it's also like, there's the step after that, right. Which is stuff is bad. You know, I'm suffering, you're suffering, my TV's being repossessed, or you know, whatever he kind of lays out. And this isn't going to change until we act collectively to, you know, control the stuff we're making. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I I always appreciated that it's not, you know, that there is that element as well, that it it sort of points towards there's the and, you know, and this is changeable by, you know. Mm us working together
0: Uh, i love that just that idea of it the collectiveness of it yo 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 just breaking up this episode to tell you all about the crate 808 patreon a place where you can help support the show so we can make you more dope rap chat and to go out there and get some bonus episodes under your belt and also get involved with the live chats with the crate 808 crew and guests go to crate808.com or go to patreon.com slash crate808 sign up for as little as buying us lunch every month you can get two bonus episodes including 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 Hidden Gem album reviews from the golden era of the 90s. And also you get our series focusing on MF Doom and Jay Diller and also the Wu-Tang Chronicles. Once a month, we drop an album review of every single Wu-Tang member. We're going to go through every solo album and then review it for you guys. And right now it's Ghostface. Go in there, get them Ghostface Killer editions in your catalogue. So get involved, help us grow this show. And yes, big yourselves up. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Boom. Oh. For you, then, going back, give me a bit of context to this album. Like, for you, when did you discover Boots, really, and the coup? Guess I discovered Boots because a, a friend of
1: mine sort of hit me to them and lent me actually a a cassette of the first record, which I never ended up giving back. (laughs) So sorry, Evan, (laughs) if you're hearing this, Uh, that was, that was some years after that record was released. This would have been, you know, maybe late nineties, or early two thousands. So they were, they were a few in out albums in by that point. Uh, So I kind of went back and caught up and I think, Party Music was probably the first one that I kind of bought as contemporaneously with, with it coming out. Mm. Uh, not obviously, it was famously, it was 2001. Mm. But by that point, I had you know caught up on their back catalog. Yeah. Um, one of the things I loved about them was that every record was different. You know, there were different sounds, different styles, different approaches, you know, pretty dramatically, I would say. Mm. on each record up through uh, even up through uh sorry to bother you through the album that preceded the movie of that name Mm. uh by by some years but still yeah so that's kind of my my initial introduction to them i've seen them perform you know a bunch of times over the years uh Got to interview Boots back in 2012,
0: was which that? was a,
1: a great experience. Yeah, it was a it was a little unnerving because I was, you know, a big fan. <laughs> so yeah. was, you know, met him next door to the venue he was playing at, set up some, set up a microphone and just kind of went for it. But yeah, You know, I think it it turned out well And it, it has been Just, uh you know, I've been So I've been following them for a long time now It's been amazing, we can maybe get in later To his film career, but mm. I think You can you can hear on this Record that it, him Getting into film was natural You know, there's there are several songs in this Record that are almost a suite that are Connected sort of by skits mm. And so that By the time I actually saw a movie of his I was like, oh, this is like, you know, one of his yeah. Sweets on these coup albums where you have a bunch of songs connect, you know yeah a bunch of things connected like the the humor is this similar the storytelling is similar mm. uh you know it was that movie uh sorry to bother you was recognizably him if you knew the coups music
0: yeah. So I bet you were really hyped when that come out because obviously you had the background. Oh, definitely. One thing that there isn't enough of, I think, in hip hop nowadays is just absurdism. That mm-hmm. album, the, the, well, film is very much absurdist, but tracks on here, like Cars and Shoes, is very absurdist humour. And I was like, that's what I think really got me into Doom as well. I, do, I know we've talked about Doom before on the podcast. I feel like he had elements of that. But there was something about this album where I'm like, wow, like he lends himself to that humour. And then I was thinking about, you talked about their other albums and this album and the titles, the album titles. And Kill Your Landlord, I was like, brilliant. I mean, I had Arm and Hammer on the show this year and they were talking about that whole thing has come around again the cyclical nature of politics and you know cultural uprisings kill your landlord is still a thing in 2021 2020 genocide in juice if i'd heard Mm -hmm. that as a kid i would have just that automatically from the title i'd have been like that's gotta be on my must listen I, i didn't get that as a kid and then this is still this album which i feel like is just one of the best album titles out there i just love the title it kind of encapsulates everything
1: it sets the record in a lineage right because it's it's an homage to uh to abby hoffman to steal this book Mm -hmm. and so it kind of sets it in in a world of radical and revolutionary politics from the album title onward yeah so i always always really love that and in the same way that boots will quote or interpolate a couple rap lyrics on this album right he does it with nwa Mm -hmm. or whatever and i think a few other times as well Mm. um to set the album in kind of a hip-hop tradition right he turns that or it's ice cube right he says uh yeah and yeah ice cube on on the on gangster gangster i think an nwa song he changes it to uh you know contesting contesting one (laughs) two three right yeah yeah. so i you know so he he, there's a lot of this record about like yes it's it's original a lot of ways but obviously he you know he samples p funk in a in a very obvious way yeah uh on the you know sort of the album's central song like it's, it's very much in a tradition.
0: And that whole, like you said, the tradition of, I don't know, even the, um, the musicality of it. I just love the musicality of it, but uh, tying everything down is the humanity of it. I think there's a very human outlook to everything, which is, you know, what I was saying earlier. Yo, what up, y'all? This is DJ Premier, and you're checking out the Crate 808 Podcast. Hey, yo, 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 this your boy Fowl March, and right now, you are rocking live with the Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, what's up? This is Del, the funky homo Sapiens, down with hieroglyphics, the funk pimp. Come on here for some good shit. Yes, yes, we're rocking with the best. This is the one and only Just Blaze. Right now, you're checking out the Crate 808 Podcast. This is Open Mike Equal, and you are currently rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, peace and love to this homeboy, C. Amen. And you're rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast. It's the place to be. So good for you. Hey, what's happening? This is Trevor Nelson, your RB ambassador, talking all things RB and hip hop. On the Crate 808 podcast. Hey, yo, yo, check it out. This is the rapper Big Pooh. And I need you, 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 and you to make sure you check out this week's episode of the Crate 808 Podcast. Tell everybody the rapper says so. We have these categories hidden gems, most rewindable moments. But one of my categories I like to talk about is the five mic moments, the moments of like almost pure perfection on an album or from an artist. I mean, we have to talk about me and the Jesus pimp in a 79 Granada last night. Like uh, for me, that's one of the apexes of Boots's career for you. Tell me how you feel about that song then and how you feel about it now. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, this, this is absolutely a highlight of the record and yeah, maybe, you know, certainly of, of his career as well it just works on a bunch of levels including some levels i didn't even realize until this week when i sort of looked at some stuff he had said about the song yeah here's the thing about message and writing this song according to boots there were sort of two parallel ideas that started the song Mm. and one was one was theoretical one was i want to write a song about how sexism against women also hurts men's lives, yes. right? That's the, the the theoretical basis of the song. But also the artistic genesis of it was the very first line, right? He was smiling like a vulture as he rolled up the horticulture. So that pops into Boots's head. That starts a question of who is this character? Who would smile like a vulture? What does that mean? What does mm. that person look like? And that started this character of Jesus the pimp. So... There's both, right? There's a point to it, but there's also like a very character-driven, detail-ridden storyline. And, you know, Boots is very open about that. He says, look, you know, if I told you what happened in the song, it wouldn't be that interesting. But I put the details in there to draw you in and to sort of bring you into the world of the song and ultimately to sell his point right? To sell sort of the, the ideas and the conclusions of the song, right? And to sell his sort of central thesis. It's amazing. I, I will say the other thing about it that I don't think I even fully realized until maybe yesterday was I, I was looking at some stuff he had said about it. And he'd said, look, not only is the song about, you know, overthrowing this sort of sexist Pimp ideology, but it's also to his mind about Jesus, also represents this idea of that killing the Jesus character represents Black folks being part of this is his words, quote, Black folks being part of movements that have a class analysis as opposed to a bourgeois nationalist analysis. Wow. So basically saying like it works on that level too of like you have to kill the kind of like respectable bourgeois idea and you need to like join with people around you look at the world for what it is look look at class relationships and see what's going on so it it i didn't get that until i literally read him say it but i think it it works you know he's not Mm. It just works on so, so many levels. And it's an amazing story, right? Yeah. In just the way it's organized, how this this idea of the the computer metaphors, right? The oh. micros, you know, one line that comes back and back back again and sort of changes meaning each time is like. You know, don't be Microsoft. Be Macintosh with a hard drive, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny when you first hear it. Oh, soft, hard computers. You know, Microsoft, Mac, but kind of it changes meaning throughout the course of the song, so that you know by the final time you hear it, it's when he's kind of flipped the script on the on the mm, Jesus character.
0: Double clicked.
1: Just yeah, just just an amazing piece of work.
0: Yeah, I, I was looking through it line by line uh, the other day. And I can't, there's not one wasted line on that track. As in, Mm -hmm. everything is just so, well, kind of equates to what you've just said, so deep. There's so much depth to it. It's very easy to go to novels and be like, this is one of the most novelistic songs I've heard. But more than just like the telling of the story, it's the complexness like the complex nature of all of it. It's not black and white, because there's even moments where I think the bit that really breaks my heart is that whole bit where he's, it really encapsulates the cycle of trauma and tragedy and father figures and the male role model. He says something like, first it was a self move and then it was the truth. His letters were the only friend that I had as a youth.
1: Right. Where and he's where he's writing to the Jesus character in jail after, after Jesus killed his mother. And he sort of starts out, oh, I'll write to him and I'll, you know, I'll get him, I'll show him and take revenge. But then like, yeah, but he actually believes it. And he says he falls into sort of Jesus's trap of mistreating, mistreating women and being sexist and, you know, eventually, eventually overcomes that. But yeah, it's really, it's a very, and, and here's the thing is like the writing in there, right? Because how does he say it? He, he like actually sort of set, spells out the letter, right? He says, you know, uses words like, you know, 12 years old, I wrote him, quote, I want to be a pimp, comma, you accidentally killed my mom, no play, yeah. play Haitian points, you know, yeah. a bitch is actually exclamation point, right? Oh, and, and he doesn't gosh, go yeah. back to that device, but it... it you he really sells the idea of he's writing a letter by like yeah.
0: verbalizing the, the punctuation marks. That's mad. Yeah, I didn't even think like that. That's so true. He's actually... Exactly. And then you said there about his son then calling him a dick, but there was another one where... He talks about it's the way you're describing things. And this is why I love Ray. This is why I love ghostface Space. They say things that are indescribable at times. Yeah, oh, what a great way to put it. He says something about uh ambulance flies, reminds me of Midnight and Don't Fiend's eyes. And you're like, what? Like, how there's just so it's just yeah, so complex and that one song alone, even the video and big Up. oh Roger, Roger something, plays Rudy in Malcolm X and the guy who plays Jesus in the video. And I was just like, yeah, You know that's another guy that needs a bit more shine. That guy, he was amazing. Hey, what's up? This is Black Thought, and you are now rocking with the Crate 808 podcast.
1: Yo, 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 yo. This is Stretch Armstrong. Ooh, My name is Bobby C A K
0: Cool Bob Love. You're now listening to Crate 808. Hey, yo, what up, y'all? This is Prince Paul, and you're rocking with Crate 808 podcast. Yo, it's EV Evidence, Dilated Peoples. You're rocking with the Crate 808 podcast. My favorite shit. Let's go. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Master Ace from Brooklyn, New York. And you're checking out the Crate 808 podcast. Real hip hop i know that track gets a lot of love generally but there were any like hidden gems where you feel like that one deserves a bit more love or a bit more shine were there any that came to you
1: absolutely i would say there's a there's a couple definitely i would say you know for one thing the repo man sings for you uh neither boots nor uh r.i.p pam the Funkstress, the Mm. group's dj neither of them really liked the song that much I love it. I think it's it's just such, it takes such a relatable image, right? The idea of the repo man and really turns it into something about like class consciousness, how the banking system works. Yeah. And it's also just such a perfect use of Dell as this kind of like eerie, you know, dangerous repo, you know, yeah. repo guy who's coming for you. Yeah um yeah and just the way they use kind of the piano hook you know first it's catchy but then it's sort of eerie when the repo man is actually singing it like
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah, i think it's
1: i i think that's a just a really a really great song
0: and really visual Um, like you said earlier you could tell he was going to be and he is making these things visual and as I said earlier, that is out, on the ground Marxism. That's not like, uh, you know, lofty ideas. Again, this is, you know, actual functioning capitalism. And you know, there's another thing that's funny about this. I was listening to it and thinking, how many communist rappers really are there? Like, I know Mortal Technique has his thing, but like, how many people really go in like this and, you know, really in a system that is inherently, inherently about putting people above everyone else in wealth. You think hip hop -hop is all about that, you know, lifting one man up in a capitalist system to be the one who's got all the money. Uh, And you're like, wow, you're doing this not just, you know, in just folk music, you're doing it in like hip hop, which is one of the most capitalistic awful right
1: i mean what 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 are the boasts on this record right the boasts are in in the song sneaking in they're about like how he used to get into movies and concerts for free yeah you know, scam his scam his way in right that's yes that's the boast it's not uh you know it's not how much money I have or or you know anything yeah. or look at my you know whatever not yeah. look at my material things it's it's that and I think uh yeah he uses his position to like actually try to inspire people to make change you could hear that on underdogs which is oh. you know i wouldn't say underrated uh because you know it's certainly one of the favorites on this album hmm. uh whenever boots performs solo he will often perform that song a wow.
0: Um,
1: i've seen him do it a couple times in a couple different situations wow um so that's, you know, I think he he views that song as as somewhat of a crown jewel also. He's about, I think, empathy as a writer. Like if you look at that song, that started out as a letter to someone who he says had betrayed and badmouthed and tried to steal money from him and his father, right? Mm. But that was the starting place. But then it ended up as what could have led someone to do this for a tiny bit of money. What's, you know, what's the issue with the system? What kind of struggles are people caught in? You know, at the end of the chorus, you know, he adds this, like, they'd tear this motherfucker up if they really loved you. And then he adds, and so would you, which doesn't rhyme with anything. It just kind of fills up some space, but it's meant to be, Mm. you know, he says a challenge to the listener, right? This idea of like making a change to the system and loving yourself are the same thing that they're contained in each other. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, you know, I, I, every detail is is so thought out, even these things that sort of sound like ad-libs.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Man, it's just even deeper. Again, I can't think of a better word, but it just gets deeper and deeper the more and more you think about it. It's even to the point where it's so relevant today. Like Buster is ismo- Busterismology like that track again, the funniness, what is it about Mickey D's here? Licky D's. And you're like, again, it's funny. That is fucking funny. There's no, his rage or their rage, Pam and his rage aren't really like fist in the air, blow things up it they do have tracks like that but on this album they kind of hide it in this really vitriolic kind of not vitriolic but like kind of sharp edged humor if you know what i mean and you're like yeah and then you hear that that actually happened like his mickey d's that like the mcdonald's thing is it right. is an actual right, story it's
1: not a true story yeah mm. for sure yeah and it's it's such a great it's such a great repurposing of hip-hop's kind of stop snitching ethos right obviously as someone who spent a lot of time in the story (laughs) wrote a whole book about him yeah i have plenty of thoughts about snitching and whatever like and stop snitching and that whole movement and how it sits in hip-hop but the snitching here is snitching on you know a revolutionary movement snitching on fighting the managers you know whatever Mm. snitching on uh in the final verse he's sort of attacking you know gangster rappers with no politics basically yeah you know so so you know snitching by not supporting revolution essentially you know snitching on a a movement right and i think that's just such a great way of of flipping this stop snitching ethos he does that Um, on, uh, gosh i forget what song it's not in this record but he has a great line of about like you know I'm screaming pimps down hose up yeah, on yeah. another record which is another another way of flipping yes. you know, a sort of hip hop show up into into something revolutionary
0: it's just ultimately more interesting doing it that way isn't it and i love immortal technique absolutely love him but he's so much more straight edged and knowledge knowledge info 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 whereas the info on this is like that made me think of Judas and the Messiah that i watched this year and i was like damn there's roots in the bay area you know, Marxists, Black Panthers, the idea that he's probably read, well, they all probably knew that story, you know, and you're like, yeah, everyone knows that story. And then he puts it in this. And then also the intelligence of 79 Granada. I didn't even know this I was researching for the pod that that's actually a Leninist movement in Grenada. And I was like, holy right. It was
1: name- So so. that's <sighs> kind of that's kind of funny. I'm sure you came across this. He meant it to be a, you know, there is a car called a, called a Granada, but- hmm he meant it to be a sort of sly reference to uh, the socialist revolution in Grenada, the country. Yeah. Uh, But that actually happened in 1981, not 1979. So he messed up and the reference was just totally lost.
0: Oh no, I looked up and (laughs) it was a double meaning. I've obviously not looked at it well enough. Oh right. Double meaning. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, he, he attempted a double meaning there, which he admits he, you know, sort of, sort of, got wrong, but yeah, you know, what what can you do? There you go. Um I also want to talk for a second about his, you know, the 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 vocabulary. I feel like you you just hear sort of so many different words that mm. you don't hear on this stuff. Um, I think even on the first song, right, he has he has that line that uses the word epidermis instead of skin, right? I feel my epidermis at its firmest just before a skirmish, and it's yes. like a relatively throwaway line in the context of the song, but I feel like, you know, taking the extra time to find the rhyme to find the unusual word and fit it into the Mm. context is just like is amazing that's the shipment Um,
0: isn't it he says it on the shipment i feel yeah yeah the shipment
1: on the first track there
0: yeah Uh, you know another thing Um, about shipment by the way great opener mm But, the mystical impression? <laughs> the mystical impression is incredible. The mystical impression is, is so on point. I'm so glad you went there with me. I was like, this is incredible. But I was listening to it and I was like, who the fuck in 1998? Remember, this is 1998 in hip hop. So incredibly commercial. Who the fuck starts off with a harmonica like sample on their right. hip hop album? And then I was like... Right. Wow. It's incredible. He did that. And then I started thinking, to be fair, I would not put it past both of them that they just thought it's poss- possibly one of the most socialist instruments is the harmonica. Like, <laughs> it really is like Woody Guthrie. I know Dylan was going in there. I know Phil Oakes. The folk movement in America generally relied heavily on that instrument. And I don't know if it's just me, but you can't help. As you've said, you read these things into it and you're like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably did think yeah let's start it off with some uh yeah. bluegrass you know music it's amazing well, it's yeah. incredible. That,
1: that song by the way you know has one of my favorite lyrics in the whole record on it uh which again flips a flips a uh you know hip-hop trope a you know krs by way of bell biv DeVoe line, line. Oh. right right uh where it says you you can't trust a big grip and a smile and then he follows that with and i slang rocks but palestinian style that's my favorite lyric. just like <laughs> yeah which is amazing I and also them. you know oh. again takes takes a hip-hop trope you know i'm slanging rocks i'm doing this i'm the biggest drug dealer on the block and it's sort of an implicit challenge to that right mm. well i'm you know what you should be doing is slanging rocks at cops you know yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely or at the oppressor or whatever you know like yeah,
0: yeah. That's one of my favorite lines because it distills exactly that about the coup, which is it's just got all sub- so subversive and yet so intelligent and sounds good. His flow is elastic at times on this album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: let's 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 not let's not forget also that that speaking out in favor of Palestinians is risky today and was yes. all the more risky, mm. you know
0: yeah 20 odd years ago absolutely and risky they're doing it risky so it's obviously a risky message risky album cover risky album title they did risky album covers later but like (laughs) (laughs) risky album
1: covers came later yeah
0: but like i I actually got a
1: have you got got a little little preview i mean i think it's actually was meant to be an ad for it but yeah you can you know the the oh oh, there there it
0: is. is yeah Damn, this is the, the the riskiness of that, but also musically to tell a story like I know we keep going back to Jesus the pimp, um breaking that track off, it, it just absolutely off to tell a to sing a lullaby that a mother sings to a, a kid. It, mm-hmm. You're so beautiful. It, it hurts me to hear that now and then mm-hmm. to do a similar thing, but with Tony Braxton, I shall breathe again on breathing apparatus, and I was like, yeah. Oh,
1: I'm, bre- right, I'm breathing apparatus. Are yeah.
0: Like... Which that was
1: the first that was the first song they recorded for this record. That's why ah, E-Rock was on it. Right. E-Rock uh who, you know, was the second rapper in the coup, cool, Yes. Uh ended up getting a really good job and decided not to be a rapper anymore. Amazing. Sometime between uh you know, Breathing Apparatus and and recording the rest of the album. Mm. Um you know, just for for context, like sort of a couple this record came out of a couple different things. Like uh, after genocide and Jews, Boots was like, "I'm leaving music to be an organizer," and so he did that for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, the organization he put together, he felt it kind of wasn't going the way he wanted. Is this the Mao Collective? Was uh, it that one? No, th- at that point, I think it was Young Something. I'll, I'll have uh-huh. to look and get it. Right, it was right, a right. separate, separate organization. Mao Collective was sort of his name for the musical mm-hmm. crew of people who, right. who you know in music. So. 1997, uh, he hears Dead Prez for the first time and kind of gets re inspired. Wow. Um, And that made him realize that political hip-hop could still be a viable thing. Uh, And he begins working on the music for Steal This Album. Yeah, so that's sort of like, and right right around this time, uh, he starts performing with a live band for the first time. He'd always used live musicians on his records, but Mm. he finally found, essentially found people who would work cheap enough that he could afford (laughs) to use them as a live band. And I, I can't help but think that also had some influence on this album as well uh, mm. by the time it was recorded in, in Fall '98.
0: Yeah. And it was nice to hear. Well, I never got to see them live, but I see the live videos of DJ Pam, the Functress, and you're like, incredible. She must have been incredible, like to see. And it's just interesting that they, them two, I know E Rock kind of left, but how they worked together. I'm wondering what that relationship was like because I don't know enough about her, you see. So, yeah so the 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 little bit I mean you know the little bit that I know about it particularly
1: about like the making of this record was you know Pam was a working DJ right so she'd be out in the club she had to sort of keep abreast of what was going on mm. uh boots never listened to the radio for whatever didn't want to get distracted, whatever the reason. And so he would go to Pam and say, you know, what's going on musically? What do I need to know? And she would say, oh, the tempos these days are faster or whatever. And, right. you know, that would kind of go into thinking about you know, how to make music.
0: Interesting that's the element i think there's an element to this crew like you know they all have these kind of just the flavor they bring is so unique compared to everyone else and she plays a massive part as does Ewok back in the day and um yeah i just wondered what that was like but i think I, you know when i first rediscovered the coup after uh, the 9-11 party music thing i didn't really know much about them really i didn't dig much back and it was when i watched super bad mate i'd watched super bad i was really high watching superbad the party scene came on where they play pork and beef and it's fucked the police mm. and, and and bill hader is almost doing like a crit walk to to this with and i was like i love superbad so much and i was like what has seth rogan done it what is this track bang and then i mm. remembered it Oh, of course it's the coup and then you realize you know what their influence it's huge and we can talk about the film when it came out like he blew up but there were so many people like you who were saying well no boots has always had this in him to do this and people didn't even know it was now before what did you think to the film i mean i loved the film
1: uh i thought it was incredible like i said i recognized his sort of aesthetic in it mm-hmm. uh, which you know is not surprising that the, the the surrealism, like you were saying, and and mm. the humor, and the sort of ever-present politics, and that it it always he made it to make a point or several points about like the the usefulness of collective action, and it's a love letter to the Bay Area, like like a lot of the coups work. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I saw it, a, you know, a couple times in the theaters when it came out, and I've watched it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Several times since from listening to the Sorry to Bother You album, you know, interviewing him around that time, it was the first time I interviewed him. Like I was familiar with the rough outlines of the story. Yeah. Um, The screenplay had been published sometime before. I hadn't actually read it until after I saw the movie, but the screen. So the idea had been out the idea of like, there's this telemarketer and with the white voice and whatever, mm. like all of that had kind of been out there for a while. But yeah, I just thought it was just a really, really great movie. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what else happens in the, in the, you know, in the film and TV realm.
0: I was, I was going to ask you that. I'll interest you in what he does next. Like, yeah, it's just so interesting to see a man. I was just, you know, when your YouTube algorithm kind of knows, what you want and i was just going on youtube and just playing song after song and e40s practice looking hard came on my man and i've Mm. not heard that track in so long yes obviously boots is in the video with pack and you're like Mm -hmm. my head head just went straight there Where i was like just imagine imagine that super group there e40 boots and pack like what would that sound like like oh yeah but yeah i digress uh just to see a man yeah there's
1: uh there there is i think there's some footage from that day that E40's sister Sugar T shot that you can find on YouTube if you ah. if you do some digging. Just some behind the scenes of everyone hanging out and stuff that nice. is uh, is really fun.
0: Wicked. I shall check that out. Again, all these little hidden gems discoveries in hip hop. I love it. Hey guys, this is Jerobie from A Tripod Quest. You're listening to The Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, yo, what's up, man? It's your man, El Zai, and you're rocking with The Crate 808 Podcast. You know what I'm saying? You can check out, you know, artists like me. Hey, it's Steve Rifkin from Loud Records. You're rocking with The Crate 808 Podcast. Spread the word. These guys are dope. The questions they ask and the interview is amazing. Enjoy yourself. Be safe and be healthy. One, two, one, two. You know what it is. This your man, S-K-Y-Z-O-O, Sky Zoo, live out the borough. And this is the Crate 808 Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. And most importantly, share that love and put your peoples on. Peace and light, this is Cy Rock rocking with Crate 808 Podcast. And you want to check out everything hip hop on Crate808.com. Yo, this is Juggernaut, Nottingham City, NG area. You're rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast. Make sure you keep it locked in. There's so many gems drop. Crate808.com. Hey, yo, this is the one and only R.A., the Rugged Man. And I'm rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast with my man Cam. Yeah. But going into your work now, my man, because the album is amazing. But as I said before, you've had a hell of a 2021. You've been doing bits, uh, the podcast game, all the stuff you're doing is great. But your new book, Dummy yes. Boy, Takeshi69, mm-hmm. and the Nine Trey Gangster Bloods. I've been reading the book. I'm not that well. I know, over. I watched the documentary, so that's my knowledge level on Takeshi69, as well as, you know, all the stuff that you read in the media. But, for you, I wanted to know, one, how does it feel now? You've done a you've written a book, so it must be pretty nice to say that's an achievement. And two, for people like me who are outside of this world, what is it about this story that roped you in like that got you really interested in it what did you find fascinating about it
1: to start with like writing a book is just an amazing experience i i always assumed that was something my smart friends did right <laughs> my my real writer friends <laughs> uh, um and i never thought i could so it's amazing that it's out and you know i'm so happy for you know the complex help they're they're presenting the book and that uh you know, Kingston Imperial the is mm. the are the people who are publishing it that's uh, Marvis Johnson who used to manage prodigy wow. so it's great to have you know someone with a, a foot in the book world and a foot in the rap world kind of yeah. put everything together what dragged me into the story I mean man you just couldn't I just a constant feeling of did that really happen like did he really do that what do you you know I think there's there's just so many points along the way mm. when you're just struck dumb like wait, did he really film an art? Did he really get his friends to commit an armed robbery in the middle of times square at 4 PM, yeah. you know, and then film it and then send the put 10, send it to a DJ to put the film on the internet. Like what, you know, there's so many, so many things that at first glance seem confusing and wild and amazing. Mm. Uh, that I kind of needed to make sense, of. you know, bit by bit over time by talking to you know scores of people around him and going to all the court things and whatever. Like I was finally able to really, I think, get a grip on what was behind all of these sort of outrageous headline-getting things. In a larger sense, I'll say also, it really—it's a story of the Trump era, right? It's a mm-hmm. story of attention and the the attention economy and the what. You know, these things your phones do to you with the constant, like, Mm. are enough people clicking on my thing or and, you know, do they like me, you know, and needing this constant attention to sort of fill something inside and to get money, you know, essentially to to make your career. Um, And I think you just get insights on all kinds of things, including the relationship between the rap world and gangs, which is often, you know, elusive. Mm. Both sides will kind of hinted things without saying them. And here it's just all on the line. You know, it's all, it's all open.
0: Yeah. He opened that world up. Your book opens that world up as well that I didn't know about where I didn't even know there were blood factions on the east i really did not know they were related to you know or they're not related they've got different relationships with the crips and stuff and just that world the world building of well the book was incredible man because it gives you that it really sets that out for you and then how one man or boy could navigate navigate all of that with some awful stuff and yet some just fascinating stuff where you're like jesus like to do What he's done, it says a lot about the American system as well, I feel. A lot of the stuff that either he's forced to get into or he gets away with, it's just so much, so much in there where I was like, wow, like it's like a quagmire in a weird way. Um, I was going to ask you, because in there he calls himself a troll who knows how to rap. Would you say that's a fair assessment of 6ix9ine?
1: I mean, I think he is a troll who, with some help, made... Some compelling music and some compelling videos, Mm -hmm. you know, I think certainly he does not hide the fact and no one around him hides the fact that he had help with his lyrics, Mm -hmm. you know, is he had mentors and friends and people who were in the studio and, you know, various folks you know writing stuff for him so yeah you know we can get into that like how much you know can you rap if someone else is writing your rhymes whatever does that count does that not i think that's sort of but i think overall there was a time when the energy around him and the beats that he chose and the lyrics that he helped put together all worked and kind of meshed with his story and was compelling for a little while. I think after that, you know, I think very quickly that pivoted in my mind to once he was a star, it kind of became well, I have to do, you know, these types of songs in order to stay a star. And I have to get these guest star, you know, guest rappers in order to stay a star. And it quickly, to my mind, became kind of generic. But before then, during his rise, there were, there was at least some compelling music uh, for me.
0: The SoundCloud wave that kind of Mm -hmm. came, he he was in and came out. Mm -hmm. For you, it's been a while now since that's kind of been around. But for you, what is the lasting legacy of that era? In your eyes.
1: The thing about SoundCloud rap, I get into this in the, in the introduction of the book, is it really mm. threw people in music media, or at least, you know, those of us at Complex, I, I can't really speak anywhere else for a loop, mm. because these guys didn't really need us, right? They could open their phone and talk to hundreds of thousands of people at a time. So what to them was the benefit of submitting to an interview where you can't control the questions, someone might ask you something uncomfortable, you might not know the answer. Whatever. So trying to figure out how to cover this stuff was, was very difficult. And then also, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people in that era had either rumored or confirmed kind of personal difficulties you know certainly takashi even while he was coming up there was a case that he caught when he was 18 uh involving like you know sexual performance with a child which i cover in the book the Mm. the details of that and so you don't want to just write something that's going to say hey look at this new video it's fantastic you also don't want every article to start with, you know, four paragraphs of caveats because people's eyes are going to glaze over and no one's going to read it. I don't know if we've fully solved that yet as a, a, you know, music media, right? It's been, what, three years or so? And Mm. I think people are still grappling with that. Are, you know, do you cover, how do you cover or how do you cover artists with objectionable things in their personal lives? Uh, How do you cover artists who would just as soon go on Instagram and show up for an interview, mm. you know, these are very real things that the SoundCloud wave sort of first really brought into the mainstream. And I, you know, we're still grappling with that today. You know, I think you, you can, you know, you can look at all of this stuff that, uh, you know, continually comes up,
0: you mm. know, all
1: the time. I mean, I think I don't need to enumerate the examples. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it is absolutely interesting. But then, what I love is that yes, it's but there are other mediums now for us to try to dive in, and hence, like I said, you know, you're working kind of true crime podcasts that. Uh, marrying into the hip hop world this book kind of does that as well but then i also see like um you writing pieces on like art rap and i was like you yeah, know the interesting thing is like even though uh there's so many of these eras i'm glad there's someone out there who's still reporting on the music that's kind of a bit more current now so yeah big up on that art rap article i really enjoyed that one
1: but oh, thank, thank you yeah that was that was thrilling to do because you know most time you know the the when i was writing features at complex like there's always this thing of you want stuff that's in the Venn diagram of stuff you're actually interested in and stuff the audience is going to like. Yeah. And sometimes it's a lot one way. Sometimes it's a lot the other. That article was sort of, completely stuff I am a hundred percent into and listen to for fun. And, uh, my editor at the time was willing to take a chance on it and I'm super glad he was. And this was like before, well before years before the alchemist album. And I, I'm just yeah. so glad to see sort of that whole scene really moving to the next level in terms of recognition, yeah. you know, sort of spearheaded by the, the arm hammer, uh, alchemist record. Oh.
0: What record? Yeah. I'm gonna to have to ask yeah. you some of your favorite records about of the year. Now you've said that. Are there any of that spinning that you feel like we all need to be spinning?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I I mean, Haram obviously is, you know, yeah. is an absolutely incredible record. Love it. There's the new Curly Castro.
0: Mm.
1: You know, also also of that ilk.
0: Yes. What do you th- I know regular listeners are going to be like, oh God, he's talking about Car again. But do you like Carr from Brownsville? I do.
1: I do. I, I do. I love Car. I think he's amazing. Mm. Uh, I will say Rum Streets yeah. has been a just an incredible thing for me. Uh, the record, I, don't, I forget if it came out this year or not, but the record he did with... Uh, Muggs? with mugs was amazing. And, you know, he's done some stuff with ransom. I also love ransom. Yes. The series of EPs he's put out has been great.
0: The mugs thing you is know. interesting because mugs to me is, it's kind of fascinating. The music he's making his music with crime apple this year has been incredible for me. And there's been loads of stuff. Oh Yeah. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. He's done some great Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. But before we go, then I was actually going to ask you go back to the book. Because obviously yeah. now you transition transitioned to being an author. I'd like to hear how you're finding that. Is it, what are the difficulties you found there? And the second thing is like, what are the next stories that fascinate you, my man? Is there a common thread to the next move?
1: Writing this book was, you know, very challenging. You went through three whole drafts, you oh. know, essentially like, but I am thrilled with how it turned out, and I really wanted it to be the last word on this thing, right? This is sort of the end of what I have to say about it. Hopefully, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen.
0: It's but I feel like
1: all of the stuff that was not able, I couldn't put into the podcast for various reasons, that didn't fit into my articles I was writing at the time, piecemeal. Like all of it is in the book, mm. you know, both in you know, and it just sort of tells the the definitive story. And I'm I'm just happy that it's out there and happy that it's done and that I, you know, all of the the time I put into following this case like can actually mm. be useful and and you know help and inform other people.
0: Congrats on that other way. things
1: I'm work yeah. Thank you. Other things I'm working on now there's a podcast that's out now where as we're speaking uh five episodes in out of out of eight. Uh this it's so the second season of Infamous. The first season was about Takashi. Mm-hmm. The second season now is about the rapper YNW Melly, who's a Florida rapper who's accused of killing his two best friends. Wow. Uh, he's actually still in jail as we speak, awaiting trial for it. Mm. Uh, you can find that on Spotify. Just you know, search Infamous for sure. Um, so you know, on the finishing stages of that, you know, readying the last handful of episodes for release as as we speak. Yeah. Um, so that's been great, and I. I don't want to say too much about there. There is a follow-up book plan that I'm hard at work on. And I would say, you know, hopefully about 75, 80% done with a first draft. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to go too into detail about it, but I'll say that it, it, it looks at other issues around rap and policing that... I did not get into in the in the Takashi book, kind of the wider spectrum right. of rap and policing. The Takashi case was sort of anomalous in a lot of ways in that, like, it was a federal case. It was done in the, the Southern District of New York, which you listeners might not know is kind of like the crown jewel of the U.S. justice system. Right. Uh, because it includes Manhattan. A lot of high profile cases are there. All of the Trump related cases are always there. And, Mm. you know, Jeffrey Epstein and all of these crazy, you know, high profile. Yeah. uh, Federal cases are always uh, are in there. Uh, The judge, I think, took a lot of time to figure out how culpable all of the defendants were. You know, you did this. So you deserve five years. You did this. So you deserve 20 years. Like, And is federal is time in federal prison of great punishment for someone, I would argue, no, but if that's where you're at, you know, if that's what your job tells you to do, I think he did a, Mm. he did a reasonable job in terms of determining culpability. Uh, He had some blind spots, I think that I get into in the book, but overall, I think, you know, you are dealing with people who were involved in some real crimes. So I wanted to look at more kind of systemic issues around rap and policing and, how that works and the history of it. So that's what I'm working on now.
0: That's fascinating, man. I don't know if there's like a common theme you go to, but I do know when I read your stuff, it does really transport you there. And and the point is, it's a story that is bigger than just the characters. It is a story about the system and about America and about hip hop. So everyone do go check out that book. It's uh, really yeah, just a great read so far. So and the podcast as well, but I need to dive in. I don't listen. I don't listen to enough podcasts. After doing a podcast that takes so much time up, it's the annoying thing is I don't actually get to listen to Eddie now. So really annoyed. I, 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 <laughs> I, I hear you. When I when
1: I was putting out a uh, you know I was putting out a show a week or a show every two weeks, oh. you know, with with the cipher, it definitely yeah cuts into your you know the last thing you want to do is like oh another podcast where people <laughs> talk about rap that says sign me sign me up sounds great.
0: exactly (laughs) exactly exactly all the podcasters to this thank you for listening because i know it's it can be it can be a slog so all the podcasters big yourselves up man but as well as yourself man and i I love the fact you're still doing that as well because um it can you know text is great but for me it just the yeah audio and the cipher and you know how i've said yeah
1: it's it's yeah i mean look the cipher was great i am very proud of it the archives will be free for as long as i can you know make that happen it's amazing um this is different, obviously, mm. and this this kind of form of narrative storytelling that I've stumbled onto has been great. Like you get, yeah. you know, time to really delve into things and interview people and put stories together and mm. you know get things edited and and really try to tell one story over the course of you know six episodes like we do with Pop Smoke or eight episodes mm. like we did with with Takashi and Mally. Uh, yeah. The Pop Smoke podcast, by the way, is called Complex Subject Pop Smoke, which uh, I definitely, you know, <laughs> obviously recommend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Recorded yeah. <laughs> it and wrote it, but I think it, you know, it really. We talked to just so many people who really knew him, and I think you just get a you get a real different perspective on. Mm you know, his whole life and career.
0: Yeah. Especially, uh, and especially how important
1: he was specifically to his neighborhood, right. To, to Canarsie Brooklyn.
0: That's what I was going to say, especially the community vibe to this, especially the Takeshi mm-hmm. thing. I got an idea what Brooklyn, what it must have been like to, to grow up in those areas, um, including the documentary that, that came out as well. But I was also thinking for our podcast, obviously nineties heads, uh, a lot of, lot of old school hip hop heads, may just ignore Pop Smoke, may ignore Takeshi69, but I feel like when you listen to these podcasts and read these books, there's a lot of relatability to hip-hop as generally, where you're, it's just good to know where, what's happening with the culture that we're all in, you know, and um, how other people keep getting into the culture as well, and what their access points are. If it's Gummo, you know, wow, you know, it's not EPMD, it's Gummo. Like, how are you going to now change hip hop in the next 10, 20 years, because you're part of it. And I f- find that what you guys are doing, what a lot, of, a lot of other great content makers out there are doing is recording it for that. And then we can look back as an evolution and be like, wow, just, yeah. I don't know. I'm well, thank doing that, thank but, yeah. you. Hmm.
1: And, and I think, you know, that there there is a connection to kind of the, the 90s, early 2000s in this book that there's a kind of subtle contrast throughout the book of Takashi mm. and Jim Jones because Jim Jones, Jim, Jim, Jones Jim Jones knew knew all of you know many of the people around Takashi. He'd been friends with them for years or decades. Mm. They're in his you know bird gang group. They're in his videos. They're yeah. you know whatever. And there's a sort of Im- implicit contrast in the book between how. Jim Jones deals with the intersection of rap and and the the hip-hop world and the Nine Tray gangster Bloods and how Takashi deals with it. Jim deals with it in this very, you know, more traditional way of, I'll hint at things, I'll joke, I'll say things, I'll do ad-libs on records, yeah. like... I'll say things, but not say them. Right. Yeah. Whereas Takashi is just like, I'm a trade gangster. You know, that's it. There's no, there's no subtlety. There's no double meaning, really no, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, just out, out front from, from the word go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What a way to put it. What a way to put it. But sure, man, everyone go check out that book, go check out the podcast, go check out the coup. I mean, if any music needs yes. lifting up, it's the coups man, and and and, and art Please. like this needs to be lifted up. So uh, I hope we gave it some shine and got you guys. One thing I realise is people don't actually listen to a lot of these albums before we talk about them. So it's quite nice that they go back and listen to them. They're like, oh, I didn't know this was even you know what this is about. So I'm glad that we get to do that for a, for a few people. But Sean, before you go, the last great piece of music you heard could be old, could be new, just the last great piece. And feel free the to the last check spot great fight.
1: piece of music that I heard. Let me let me actually mm. jump. Into, Jump back into Spotify and check here. I read, I just finished reading. I was lucky enough to get a galley of uh, Dan Charnas's upcoming biography of Dilla. Oh, Dilla right? time. Which is Dilla time. Uh, amazing book. Mm. Your listeners should buy it when I pre-order it now. Get it when it comes out in February. <laughs> For sure. And so that inspired me to listen to a compilation I didn't even know existed, which is of Dilla's stuff uh, on Delicious Vinyl, which was, you know, a label he worked with a lot early in his career. Yes. Uh, It's called J Delicious, The Delicious Vinyl Years. Wow. I, again, I didn't even know it existed until yesterday, but it has, you know, all of these early tracks from The Far Side and Brand New Heavies and all this stuff and yeah. there are instrumentals on you know it's the songs and then followed by the instrumentals oh. so i was listening to the instrumentals and really just trying to soak in you know hear it through the through the ears of uh you know try to take in some of the stuff that that dan talks about in the book in terms of dilla's relationship to time mm-hmm. obviously you know in the title but that's sort of one of the one of the big themes of of the book of you know why he was unique as a producer i won't even yeah. attempt to do it justice by by paraphrasing but it's beautiful uh, you guys will just have to read it it's, but it's yeah
0: beautiful that uh oh, i love diller and we've started a patreon and we've just done a diller series so this is gonna i've got oh, to get amazing. that book i've got to get that book man for sure sean thank you again. I'm now going to go listen to some Dilla and uh, yeah, as I say all the time, man, the doors are open anytime, anytime you want to jump on the next book or whatever, we're always, ha- we're always honored to have you on, man. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Thank you, Cam. It's such, such a, such a pleasure to be
0: on. <laughs> Wicked. You might, you go chill, chill with your cat. I see your cat doing, you know, little <laughs> yeah, Joe, around. Joey's around here somewhere. It's,
1: it's, it's feeding time. So it's they, uh, time. they, That's they soon. know it's, they know it's 4 p.m. on the East coast, which means <laughs> they're eating and now it's 4:06, And so they're, they're giving me the stink eye over here love that
0: wicked bad <laughs> but yeah you take it easy and good luck with everything man. good luck thank
1: thank you so much really thank
0: appreciate you, man. it peace